Hello and welcome to a special edition of The Jewish Views. I'm Phil Dave. Over the past months and even years, we, along with many other programs, have continued to talk about the ongoing issues surrounding the Labour Party with allegations of anti-Semitism. During that time, we've spoken to key figures and even the Labour leader himself, Jeremy Corbyn. This week, we've learned that the Labour Party's governing body has decided to adopt all 11 examples of the international definition of anti-Semitism, however with an added caveat for freedom of expression on Israel. The following day, news editor for the Jewish News, Justin Cohen, was given the chance to speak to the second highest profiling member of the party, Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell. You're on the record as saying that Labour should have dealt far more quickly with the IRA definition issue, and you personally were the most senior figure to come out in support of full adoption ahead of the NEC. How can you expect the mainstream community to trust a party that so blatantly ignored the wishes of the mainstream community for so long when it knew what those wishes were? I think we can only restore trust with thorough engagement now. So I'm not expecting something to happen overnight. I think what we've got to do now is engage thoroughly in discussions, uh, open door policy, and making sure that I suppose we can start that dialogue up. And I this might sound difficult to you, but I'm trying to look for something positive from all of this. It's been a nightmare. It's been an absolute <laughs> nightmare. But what it's done is it's, it's forced us into a lot of soul searching. And in some ways, I know this might sound difficult to some people, in some ways being forced into that soul searching has done us some good. So I'm looking for something positive out of this. So what I think will be positive out of it is an ongoing, because this doesn't end with one decision about one set of definition or examples. It's an ongoing process, which will be an educational experience for everyone, I think. We'll talk in a minute about some of the specifics that perhaps the party could could next look at and that perhaps you might personally want to take upon yourself. But as things stand, you, as you said, you, you know where we are. Can you understand why so many Jews feel that there is no place for them anymore in this Labour Party? No, I can understand our people. Yeah, I can understand the concerns that have been expressed. Of course I can. I, sometimes, you know, again, you have to be really careful on the words that you use because I don't want to upset people. I don't want to aggravate people. But sometimes some of the expressions that have been made actually don't bear any reality to what actually has been going on either. And maybe that's because we haven't been clear enough about our own understanding of it and our, our own depth of empathy and also the processes that we want to engage in. And I think that's well, certainly been a learning experience. I completely understand how people feel. I completely understand. And that's why in this coming period now, Jonathan Freeland put it in a really good article in the in the Guardian. It was about empathy, and I think that's what we've got to show now on a much greater scale than we have in the past. Okay. Who's responsible for getting the party into such a mess over IRA? As I said, the, the community made its, its views very clear before the first NEC meeting. Is it down to the leader? Is it down to those around him? No, I think it's everybody. I think the whole, all of us are involved in it, really. I think what happened was is that there was, uh, I think, elements of misunderstanding about where we go, lack of understanding as well on all sides, I think. Also, a lack of understanding that actually it did need time. It did need time to bring people up to speed on this issue. Now, I'll give you an example. I, I hadn't read before Kenneth Stern, you know, the, the guy who was involved in the writing. I hadn't read before his submissions to Congress, which are extremely subtle about how they interpret the implementation of IRA. And again, that, sorry, that, during that period I did, and I thought, well, this is an education experience for me. What I'm trying to get at is I'm trying to move beyond blame, who's to blame, whatever, because I don't think that's productive anymore. I actually think 
The soul searching has happened. It's been effective. And now, as I say, we want something positive from this. And what's come positive from this is a real process of engagement, dialogue and discussion, and hopefully agreement and consensus. And I keep saying, I've been saying in interview after interview, it's important to get the words right, it's important to get the understandings right, but actually there's stuff on the ground going on that we've got to tackle as well. And I'm really fearful about what's happening on the ground, you know, the insecurity that people have, the concerns that people have, you know, we should not live in a society where pupils go to Jewish schools and they have to have security. We shouldn't live in a society where you know, gravestones are daughter with swastikas. It's that stuff on the ground. And I'm worried as well about the rise of the far right, not just in this country, but also in, right the way across Europe too. Yesterday was, though, an opportunity to put Ira at least to bed. And I think for some people, Jewish Leadership Council and others who have commented on, on what happened, there's concern that, that, that the extra text yeah. that Jeremy wanted to put forward has, has kind of exacerbated this and show, show where he, as the leader, really stands. Uh, do you, did you support that text? Yeah, I did. I, mis- I think they've misunderstood the situation. And that's why, that's why I want people to come in or I want us to just sit down, you know, let's have a cup of tea and talk through these issues. What Jeremy was trying to achieve was to say, here's Ira, and it's exactly as Shami Chakrabarti said on the radio, and people have misinterpreted that as though in some ways it will impede freedom of speech, and the examples in particular. What Jeremy wanted was an absolute clarity that it didn't, it did not impose any restrictions on freedom of speech other than what you'd expect to do, which is you've got to use the appropriate language and you can't use it in a way which attacks Jewish people. Now, I think he was trying to get that clarity there. Now what will happen is there'll be a detailed consultation, which I hope everyone gets involved in, on the code of conduct, because that in effect will be the, in practice how you interpret it. And I'll be interested to see what people say. The problem is, I think, for, for many in the Jewish community is that, that they are aware that the party has been aware since before the first vote at the NEC exactly where they stand. You know, you had the letter from the 68 yeah. rabbis. You, you weren't unaware of that, I presume. And, and so wh- why did it, I think, the question no, would be, because, take so long to get yeah. to the position because, of recognition of how yeah. the community felt? Because there's pressures on the other side as well. Because there was pressures from within the Jewish community itself. It might well be, you might well argue that's a small minority, but there were still pressures there as well, which disagreed with some of the proposals that were being put to us by the Jewish community leaders. In addition to that, you've got others like, have to be, you know, let's be straight about it, you've got Palestinian community as well, who are very fearful about how will they have the right to express their views as well. So we had to go through a period, and I agree, I think we should have done it quicker, but we had to go through a period in which there was proper discussion and allow people to express their views. And that happened, and I think we're now at that stage where we've said, right, we've heard that, now let's move to the next stage. Should, should you have come out quicker on this? You, you waited oh, yeah. until the day before. Oh, of course I did, yeah. We're all, in, we're all involved in this. So I also think, and I just say to people on all sides, really, maybe we should all learn the lesson that we should be more forthright, we should be more speed about how we deal with these things, but also... In some ways as well, we should see in which we, how, we, how can we create a climate where we, we temper our language as well. Now, again, I'm one of these people who actually, you know, they keep saying, you know, I call a spade a spade or all the rest of it. And I'm usually quite, but I, you learn lessons in all this process now about how you approach them with moderation and rationality. Over the last couple of years, whenever the community has felt things couldn't get any worse, unfortunately, with the situation they have done, can you give a guarantee today that we won't find Jeremy's text from yesterday being tried, uh, attempts to put that back into the Code of Conduct? I can't give guarantees because I'm not in control of the process. But what I can say is that my understanding, I'm not on the National Executive Committee, so I'm almost speaking from 
away from the decision makers. The decision makers will be the National Executive Committee. They have now said that they'll undertake this consultation. I have not seen the details of how that will be done or the timescale on that, but my advice to them is to do it as promptly as we possibly can, do it as openly as we possibly can, and be it completely open and transparent. And then when you come to your conclusions, be completely open and transparent and give people time to refer to those conclusions. There may well be people saying within the Code of Conduct you need to have some commitments around freedom of expression. Well, I think they're already there. But again, let's have that debate. Let's not close down the debate. But also, I'm just saying to people on all sides of this, don't prejudge people on it either. Listen to them first of all. You, you said you think those kind of protections are already there. So will you today take the opportunity to say that you wouldn't like to see Jeremy's extra text added to the Code of Conduct? No, I like the extra text. Let me be, I quite like the extra text because it was absolutely explicit. And from the, what I'd heard during the period in which there was some consultation going on, people hadn't got the message. So they needed to have it more explicitly the message. And I think that's what he tried to do. Again, if people come back and say those former words weren't right or that, that wasn't appropriate, let's, we'll hear, listen to them. Well, I mean, you, you know the position of the mainstream community. It's been said again and again by 68 yeah. rabbis, by the Judicial Leadership Council, by the Board of Deputies, that they're not going to suddenly come to the conclusion that this is an extra addition that's required. You know, all these countries, all these local authorities, okay. the CPS, might, none of them think okay. that's required. There's a number who do think it is, and we've got to listen to them and see whether or not we can build consensus. We might not be able to, but let's at least try. I think we want to come out of this, and this is always difficult in these situations, uh, we, uh, we've got to try and come out of this where we can secure agreement right the way across the piece. If we could do that, it would be a huge achievement for the whole community, not, for just, not just the lay party. But you, you've, you've come out a number of times and, and said that you know, you've, you, you've been clear that things need to be dealt with in a different way. This, this is an opportunity to recognise yeah. where the community is now and, and also the fact that it's not going to change. I think a lot of people will feel that if you're going to put the rights of, of people to attack Israel in a certain way, which a lot of people was considered to be anti-Semitic, over the rights well, we of British Jews... We well, we wouldn't allow that to happen. That, that we're very explicit upon that. And, that. and Jeremy said that very, very clearly, as have others, as have I. We wouldn't allow that to happen. We wouldn't allow something to uh, to enable people to attack Israel in an anti-Semitic way. That's the whole point of it. But there's got to be clarity about that. And one of the well, what came out interesting, what came out of the discussions as well over the last few months, is that in addition to just setting out definitions and examples and and, and try and get as much clarity on guidance and codes of conduct as you can, behind that has to be a whole education process as well. You know, people understand what words they're using and where those words came from. Can I just take you to one side about one? I'll just give an example of my own community. Okay, I come from an Irish community, all right? We endured years. We, we were the first colony. Ireland was the first colony of the British state. And there's a, a, a wonderful booklet that was produced called Nothing But The Same Old Story. And it was a, 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 the history of cartoons used against the Irish people and how we were portrayed as animals. Paddy, you know, the concept, the idea, oh, he's throwing a paddy, that was... You know, he's thick. They're idiots. They're thrown a paddy because they're ignorant, that sort of thing. Irish jokes used against us. And we ran a campaign against that. And people, you know, never even understood what we were talking about. And it took us a generation to enable that. And it was based upon people's ignorance. They didn't even know that that expression or that joke or whatever was based upon exploitation and colonial rule. So... In some ways, I know it sounds terrible, but actually, in this whole community now, 
we've got to have an educational process that recognises how anti-Semitism came about, the language that it's used, the tropes that are involved in it. And in that way, I think we can have enormous breakthrough. And I think that could be something positive that comes from the trauma that we've all gone through in this last few months. A lot of people, though, will, will frankly be concerned. They, they, they see the leader. Now they're hearing the shadow chancellor are happy for people to view calling the foundation of Israel a racist state. They're, they're happy for, be, for people to be able to say that. You know, as well as I do, that for the vast majority of British Jews, Zionism is central to who they are. I'm going to ask you later about your view, whether you consider yourself a Zionist, but we'll come, we'll come back to that. They will be extremely concerned by that. Yeah. If you look at the wording from yesterday, it said the circumstances around the founding of this. It is anti-Semitic to oppose a Jewish state. Of course it is. But it's not anti-Semitic to call a state racist, because I call the British state racist on a regular basis in the way it acts. It's all, I th my own view, if you look at the wording that was used yesterday, and it was, uh, the formal words was the circumstances around the establishment of the state. So, and the argument that people put forward, there were racist acts that took place, you know, dispossession, things like that. Again, that's part of the debate, but actually it's part of the debate I've had in this country about the role of the British state, both in relation to Ireland, but also in relation to its own people as well. I think a lot of people would feel that, that those were not racist acts. That was uh, the act of the, the Jewish people yeah. having their rights of determination again, in their ancestral homelands. Again, but that, it is not anti-Semitic for people to raise those issues. I stand, Voltaire, I stand on the basis of Voltaire's principle. I might disagree with everything you possibly say, but I'll give my life for the right for you to say it. That's exactly the position, I think, that our community, all of our communities here, this community in this country, but right the way across the globe, I think, now. And in Israel itself, Jewish people will stand by that, that right of freedom itself. But you cannot then allow that right to be abused to go into abuse and anti-Semitism and anti-racist abuse. Last point on, on this particular uh, issue. You will understand, though, why a lot of people will be listening to this and wondering how on earth the community and the Labour Party can find an accommodation if you're taking that position, the mainstream community. You saw the reaction yesterday. Well, that means we have to have a proper debate to explain the position. We have to have that dialogue. What we're saying is, of course, it's anti-Semitic to oppose a... Jewish state. Of course it is. The, of course it is. But it is not anti-Semitic to, to be able to criticise the role of that state at times. Just as I, as I say, I've criticised this state for being racist. I have, I have large numbers of people in my constituency who are contained in a detention centre unnecessarily. It's interesting that most of them are black. And I think actually, as we saw in the hostile environment policies of this, of this government, over a period of years, that was a racist state in action. So of course, and I've listened to members of the Jewish community criticize their own government and their own state for being racist. I don't think that's anti-Semitic. I think that's part of the debate. This is the discussion that we need to have and we'll educate one another on this as well. The Birkenhead CLP passed a motion, they, 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 vote, they discussed a motion, they passed a motion, they minuted a motion that accused the JLM, uh, that said that they were rejecting JLM training because of possible links to ISIS. Does that not suggest some kind of absolutely cultural problem within the Labour Party? It's not just a single person. No, it's not a few bad apples. I've not, I've not seen the motion. I will do now. That's the first I've heard of it, but I will do now. I find it bizarre that anyone could put the link between the JLM and ISIS. I find it extraordinarily laughable, and I'll, and I'll take that up, and I'll engage in that debate with the constituents. I've worked with the JLM. 
I've worked at the JLF and I've uh, met them on a regular basis, done everything I possibly can to assist. I, they asked me, and I'll give you an example, of, of, I've done everything I can to bend over backwards to cooperate. At one Labour Party conference, the JLM asked me would I speak on their platform? And I said, of course I would. They then came to me and said, there's a number of MPs who don't want to be on the same platform as you. And I said, fine, do you want me to withdraw? I'll withdraw. So I've done everything I possibly can to maintain that relationship. And again, if, if an individual constituency MP, uh, individual constituency party has put a motion like that forward, it just emphasises the need for education that needs to take place. And I'd want, in the, well, I'd like to engage with that constituency party and with the JLM and get around the table to talk about it. I haven't seen the motion, but I find it extraordinary. It received quite a lot of publicity at the time. Okay, it, I missed that one. Do you, do you accept, though, that, that shows a, a, you know, a cultural problem? This is not a few bad apples we're talking about here. I don't know. I, I can't tell. Let me have a look at the resolution itself and let me ask the constituency what's happened there, and I'll ask JLM as well, because any, anything can happen in an individual meeting. It can be missing. You'll, you'll take it up with the oh, constituency? Of course I will, yeah. Of course I will, yeah. Okay. Four young members of the community resigned their membership this week after Pete Willsman was re-elected. I just want to read you one quick tweet from a guy called Amos Schonfeld. He works for an organisation called Yachad. I don't know if you've come across them, but they're a left-wing Jewish group, very critical of Israeli government policy. But unfortunately, I think this is where a lot of people are at. He said that being a Jewish member of UK Labour was once a source of pride for me, but as with many in my position, it is now a badge of shame. The election of Pete Willsman in the, in the, to the NEC is the end for me. This isn't a case of a few bad apples. This isn't a case of the leadership being blindsided. This is a systematic failure that emanates from the heart of the party. Uh, does that make, make you feel shame? Well... Pete got re-elected. We're a democracy. He got re-elected. He's apologised. I don't think that goes far enough. I think he needs to understand the, the hurt he's caused as a result of his statements. And I think what the NEC have talked about is education for him and others about what should go on, and that's it. And if he persists in those attitudes, I think he should be standing down. But I'm hoping he's learnt a lesson. And again, for that young person who stood down, I just say, look, we need you back in the party because we need people like this raising these issues, raising the level of debate and raising the level of understanding. When Pete Willsman did that, I don't think... I, I don't know him that well. I've known him over the years, but I'm not that close. I don't think he even understood what he was saying or the implications of it. He does now, but maybe he needs to learn the lesson more effectively. But we have a democracy in our party, and what's happened, he's been re-elected. We'll have to deal with that. If we can get, go back to, to Pete Willsman, a lot of people will be wondering how you can have a, a party and a leadership that maintain that Labour has a problem with anti-Semitism and also at the same time have a person on the governing body who has openly and angrily said that he's never seen any anti-Semitism in the party and suggested that rabbis and others have made well, it up. It's interesting because I've heard this before. I've heard this in other meetings where I've never seen anti-Semitism. And I go back to the Irish issue. People, I've sat, you know, this is 20, 30 years ago during the GLC period. I've sat in meetings where people have been cracking Irish jokes in front of me and not realised that they're racist. I've sat in meetings where they haven't understood the implications of what they've said and all the rest of it. And I think we're at that stage in terms of anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. And I have to say as well in the wider community. So again, I'm looking for something to positive to come from this, which is people will start learning. And that our programme of education within the Labour Party, I think, has got to be absolutely first class. And we'll involve people in developing that. 
and again, JLM were one of them that I want to, to ensure that we mobilize to do that, that will raise the level of understanding. And if you, if you look at what we did about anti-Irish racism, We've eradicated that element from the Labour Party, and that's what we've got to do here. John, yours is a very big voice within the party. You could send out a really strong message by saying today, and this, this is part of that journey where I, I think the Jewish community needs Labour Party to go to, to try and start fixing this. You could say that you don't think Pete Willsman or you're uncomfortable with Pete Willsman being on your, on your governing body. This is the body that will have a say in some of the disciplinary cases. It's a democracy. We have a democracy. The, demo the democratic principles of our party override, override everything as far as I'm concerned. Our members have elected it. With Pete Wilsman, I'm willing to give him the benefit of he didn't understand or fully understand so what he was doing. There's been no contrition at all. Well, I, he did apologise. He did apologise. He, he suddenly discovered a day after he made the comment or the day after the, 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 well, they were published that I, he had seen anti-Semitism. Is that, is well, that an I apology? Th I think... No, he did actually apologise. He did apologise for what he said. He did withdraw the statements. I don't think that was enough. And that's why I'm saying it's important now that we engage with him so he thoroughly understands what he's done, what his statements are. He's part of that educative process. And I'm... A, you know, I come from a tradition as well, as you do, where we believe in the powers of conversion. We believe that people can actually express remorse and move on. And sometimes you need the generosity of spirit to enable that to happen. And I'm willing to give him that, and I hope the Jewish community is. But we'll see from future performance. And if he doesn't, well, again, I think that further action will have to be taken. You don't think he should be suspended or uh, at least kept out of any disciplinary cases from now on? I th well, he's already removed himself from those. He already has done. And yesterday he also removed himself from the discussion too. So He's, he's removed himself from all yeah. disciplinary cases. I, I understand that, but I'll double check. I understand that. He removed himself from that debate yesterday. And I think that at least that showed an understanding of what he's done. It showed an element as well that he's learnt a bit of a lesson, but he needs to go further. And we'll work with him on that. And as I say, some of these issues, you know, there will be... There will be times in the coming weeks and months where we're identifying things that people have done, all of us have done most probably, where we think, well, that wasn't the right at the time, but we've learned the lesson now and we move on. And, you know, it's always been within, uh, you know, it's always been within the Jewish religion, this concept of forgiveness as well, as it has been in Christian and elsewhere. And I think we've got to have that generosity of spirit. But you're right, it has to be dealt with firmly. Chris Williamson has uh, insisted yesterday that uh, his re-election was a victory over the haters and the smearers. Was, was I disagree with that. I disagree okay. with that. I disagree with that. Chris, look, let's be clear. Chris is a good friend of mine, and on most issues I agree with him. On this one, I, I disagree. It wasn't a smear. No, I th look, it, was, it couldn't have been a smear because... He said it. He said it, yep. he, and he said it was recorded, mm. and he admitted it, and he apologised the next day. But again, again, I just... Has he learnt the lesson? I think he has. Will he need to learn further lessons? We all will. And on that basis, I think we can go forward. John, I mean, you, you've made it clear to a number of people, including Adam Langleben, the, the former Lip Barnett councillor, when you saw him, that you would call out conspiracy theories and left-wing anti-Semitism yeah. whenever you, you see it. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't think that's, it's fair to say that, that has been followed through as yet. I mean, I'm, okay. I, I've got in front of me here a Facebook group called Supporting Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell for the Many. Uh, I don't know if you're aware specifically of that Facebook group, but a quick look at it, I mean, in, re in reference, for example, to Margaret Hodge, it says the woman is damaging labour in the interests of, of, of Israel. Hodge is an Israeli establishment patsy. Well, uh, who is she kidding? Well, she just I added herself to the hit list. Every time something's been raised anywhere, because these groups, uh, we don't know who they run, who run them and all the rest of it, 
Jeremy said it time and time again, you don't speak in my name, and I've said exactly the same thing. And on Margaret Hodge, I've made it absolutely explicit. I've seen all the attacks on Margaret. And I, Margaret and I go back 30 years, you know, and we've been good friends over that period as well. I've made it absolutely clear. I, I opposed the disciplining of her. I made it absolutely clear this is, you know, Margaret did go over the top in terms of her anger, and I said, I completely understand why. Therefore, all of these allegations and attacks on her, I've condemned, and I've made that absolutely clear. And I've said time and time again, these people do not speak in our name. You had an opportunity with something like this to, I mean, either ask for your name to be removed from I mean, you, you presumably don't want the support of a group like this that's full of anti-Semitism. I've, I've, I've said exactly that. You do not speak in our name. Do you think that message is getting through? Well, I hope so. <laughs> I'll repeat it time and time again then. But I'll make it absolutely clear. When people uh, pretend they're our supporters and do stuff like this, they're undermining our support. They're undermining our standing in the community overall. And I've made that absolutely clear. And I sometimes I suspect what motives there are there. This also from Squawkbox. A tweet from a couple, for about a month ago, again, received quite a lot of publicity. The Jewish war against Corbyn risks bringing real anti-Semitism to Britain. I didn't see you call that out. Well, I, That's well, what Adam great, thought you were yeah, going to okay, be doing. I'm sorry. Well, I will do. I, am, I can't monitor it all the time, but I've made a general statement regularly that this is unacceptable. That I, if, I think I put out on Twitter, was it a letter? I put something out on Twitter about three or four weeks ago about some letter that was going around about conspiracy theories or whatever. I think Adam actually recircle, retweeted it, it, it was, for me. Yeah, it was so, a few uh, months ago. Yeah. There's only so much you can keep on top of this, to be honest. He's trying to roll down a full-time job as well. But let me make it absolutely clear time and time again i don't know how many times i have to repeat this they're not doing this in my name this is no conspiracy theory as far as i'm concerned and actually where we are now is in a process of proper engagement and we will deal with this i have to ask you of course about lord Sachs's comments and specifically your response to it you, you said that he'd misunderstood jeremy i think a lot of people in the jewish community will feel that perhaps you've understood where the jewish community is coming from this in that we are talking about, uh, I mean, c can you understand that a Jewish community would be concerned, yeah. uh, let, me, let me finish, uh, would be concerned about having a prime minister who had repeatedly shared platforms and endorsed in various ways people who aren't just pro-Palestinian, who aren't simply looking for peace, but are anti-Semitic in their positions. They want our readers dead. Okay, on the Marsh, on the Mar programme, what Lord Sachs said, and I went through it in, uh, point by point, First of all, he raised the issue that uh, to blame, he said anti-Semitism is this, and he gave examples of it. And he was brutally honest, and I thanked him for being honest. He said anti-Semitism is when you blame Israel for everything that's happening in the Middle East. Well, Jeremy hasn't done that, and neither have I. Only a couple of years ago, I was demonstrating outside uh, when the Saudi king came here because of the, 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 the abuse, and also I was calling out their role in promoting fundamental is, is, Islamic policies which were appalling, which actually in my own community, the Islamic community, the Muslim community were condemning as well. He also said that the conflation of Zionism with the Jewish community, well, we've made it very, very specific. There are some Jews who are Zionists and there are some Jews who are anti-Zionists and we've never completed it in that way. He then also said um, support for Hamas and Hezbollah. Jeremy has not expressed support from Hamas and Hezbollah, and I certainly haven't either. Well, he, he said they were a force for social justice. He didn't just well, call them friends, which he's no, apologised for. He, he said they were a force for social he's justice. But he's tried, to, he's tried to force them to get around the table. He's condemned their violence. He's never supported violence in his life, and he's, he's tried to get them around the table to support peace. Those are the issues that Jonathan Sachs raised in the Mar programme and, and a couple of others. And I said, well, I think you've got that wrong, but... 
you know, come and see us. It's an open door. It's an open door. And he says, well, I won't come and see you until Jeremy apologizes. Well, we're all bigger than this now. We're all bigger than this. We've all just got to get around the table because we've got to get into the real world of what's happening on the ground now to, uh, to the Jewish community. And to start that process off by just coming down, sitting and talking must be the first step. You, I think, led the way very much on, on this issue of an apology. I mean, you owned, in very personal terms, th- some of the language that you uh, expressed in the past well, over the, the IRA, Irish, yeah. and you apologised yeah, for yeah. that. You know, again, we're talking about sharing platforms with anti-Semites. We're not talking about people who are just supportive of, of the Palestinian cause. So do you not think it might be worth Jeremy showing, uh, you know, he, he followed this cause because he cares passionately about it. We get that. Everyone gets that. But... Isn't it time that there was an apology for those sharing of platforms and He's those not, endorsements? You've got to look at why is he sharing? Why was he sharing platforms? It was not to endorse them. It was to try and engage with them. But he's only he's only he's only uh, taken care of one particular part of that uh, that conflict, one half of that conflict. There's no record of him meeting anyone on the right, right. of the Israeli okay. side. Now's the time to do that. Then now's the time to have that discussion more broadly. If this if this enables us to to have that, that's great. That's a real breakthrough for us all. But be very very clear. He might have shared platforms, but he's never. Jeremy has never endorsed violence, and he's never endorsed anti-Semitism at all. How would you explain the fact that Nick Griffin and David Duke are cheering for your friends? Because they're trying to exploit this issue. They're trying to divide our community. They're trying to divide it in every way possible. And don't, you know, we're an anti-fascist organization, you know. Well, keep, you know, Jeremy's parents met at Cable Street fighting the fascists when they were having incursions into the Jewish community. These people are trying to use every mechanism they possibly can to divide us. And if we fall for that, they will divide us, and we must never let that happen. But they're obviously seeing some kind of common cause no, here they're exploiting in, in the, in the, the way that they talk about Zionists. There is no Jews. common cause. They're trying to exploit the issue, and we should not fall for it, either of us. We should not fall for it. And we've got to be united against these people. And I tell you, my big fear at the moment is there's a rise of the right in this country at the moment, and there's a rise of the right right way across Europe. These Tommy Robinson marches that have taken place have been on a scale that has shocked us all, and they've perpetrated violence against people who've been opposing them as well. I think now's the time when we, reckon, we need to recognise the, the real threat there is out there and do not let these fascists divide us in that way. We should be a common cause again. Left-wing anti-Semitism is presumably a threat as well. You've well, recognised that. I think anti-Semitism from wherever it comes has got, is, a, is a threat. And I don't, you know, whatever they call themselves, left-wing or right-wing, if they're anti-Semitic, we've got to oppose them together. You, you've spoken about the how you are simply a president by name of the uh, Labour representation. Well, I'm honorary president. Right. And again, it's a democratic organisation. There'll be things that they do that I, they agree with and there are things that they do I disagree with. And they know you, don't, you don't say that and, and, uh, well, know, I publicly. Did. I did. Someone, I was asked that question last week. Are you, are you comfortable with remaining uh, as, as honorary president of an organisation that, that is so different from you on, on declared positions on anti-Semitism? Again, Ken Livingston was a witch hunt. Are the, I, are the IHRA row is not just about anti-Semitism, etc., etc. Again, you could send a clear message. You could well, distance I yourself. Well, no, I do, I'm not going to distance myself from an organisation I founded because they disagree with me. That I disagree with them on these particular points because on most other issues I do agree with them. And they've been quite a, I, they've been quite a beneficial force in the Labour Party and a whole range of other policy areas. But I've made my position clear. I completely disagree with them on this. Joan Ryan is, is facing a vote of no confidence. Uh, it's an opportunity again for you to make clear that no, no MP should face deselection for speaking out on anti-Semitism. Of course not. Of course not. And I'm, I've made that clear publicly. But I spoke to Joan yesterday. I don't believe that's happening now. And that, can, that cannot be grounds 
Of course it can't be grounds for uh, deselection or criticism. If people are speaking out on anti-Semitism and you know, they're doing it with the best of hearts, which people are, of course they've got to be supported. One of the ways that the Jewish community has suggested getting through some of these issues is to put, uh, appoint uh, an independent ombuds- ombudsman to oversee uh, the disciplinary process. Yeah. I think after the cases referred to the police yesterday, after LBC intervened, wouldn't that be a, a positive way of showing yes, how serious uh, the In the consultation, is? that goes ahead now. That I'm sure that I idea will be considered and, and, and it will be considered seriously as well. A party is always loath to, to put the decision-making processes outside of their own ambit because mm. we're a democratic organisation. Mm. But it'll be one of those issues that'll come but up. But to rebuild it. trust, can you see a yeah, case I for that? I can see there could be a role. I think I've tried to argue as well, for example, when when there are these consultations, etc., we've got to be much broader than just within the party itself. It's got to involve the wider community and bring in the relevant experts itself. But that's why, you know, for example... I read the stuff from Kenneth Ernstone. I thought it was really fascinating, the submission to Congress. And I, I, I wouldn't mind having a conversation with him. Maybe we can bring him over at some stage because I'd like to know again how he's handled this debate effectively within the US because his presentation to Congress I thought was superb. You've said that Jenny Manson, who of course is chair of JVL, uh, you'd like to see her being yeah. elected as, yeah. as a Labour official. At the same time, you know what the effect of that would be within the mainstream Jewish well, community. Well, I'm ho- uh, you, you, know, you know that JVL has set itself up, uh, itself up as a, a kind of a counterbalance to J, J, JLM. They sent up a counter rally to the Enough is Enough rally. That will do damage, won't it, if I she's elected? I think it is. I think we've got to get to a situation where we can create a climate where people can have disagreements but respect each other. And I, I think Jenny Manson is a really good example where she can express disagreement with JLM, but she'll always do it in a measured way. And I thought this woman actually is quite a shining example on how you can go about disagreement, but with respect. And, And that's why I'm quite impressed with her. The JVL, again, it's a way in which the views can be expressed. And we keep saying about the Labour Party, it's a broad church left, right and centre, but it's a broad church and a whole range of views as well. JLM appreciate that too. The mainstream Jewish community, many in the mainstream Jewish community see themselves uh, Zionist, by which they uh, yeah. mean that they support the know, uh, self-determination in the... Well, JLM government. used to be you, called Pole Zion, didn't are, it? Are you a Zionist? I know you, you had support in the past for, I wouldn't, for uh, I wouldn't describe myself as a Zionist, but I believe in the right of Israel to exist. Of course I do. And, in, um, in, in that place where it is currently? Yes, yes, but I also... I respect the concerns that the Palestinians got about the loss of their land, etc. And I'm hoping, you know, we can't solve the Middle East crisis. So it sounds like you are a Zionist. Then. Well, no, I'm hoping. <laughs> I wouldn't describe myself as that. I'm hoping that we can achieve peace and a just settlement for everybody. And again, it's about looking at the 1967 borders again. That's incredibly contentious. I've listened to the debate that's gone on within Israel. And a number of the voices now that are saying we can't go on like this. We've got to have a settlement that's just and of peace. Anything that we can do in this country to contribute to that, I think would be remarkable. But before we can even think of that, we've got to have this discussion about how we operate and how we treat each other here. You've previously said that that the Holocaust Memorial Day should be renamed Genocide Memorial Day. Do you still stand by that? Yeah, well, I did. That was an EDM that we, we put down because actually... When I read the Holocaust Memorial Statement, Mm. that's what the argument was. I took a group of my schools to Auschwitz. What was fantastic is they went to the synagogue in Northwood. They said, yeah, this is, we had a Holocaust survivor who took them through what happened in the Second World War and beyond. 
and what happened before that as well on other pogroms. But then what was interesting, they said, actually, we're not here just to talk about that. We're here to about what's happening in Rwanda today, what's happening elsewhere. And I thought that was a huge breakthrough. But that is integral to Holocaust Moral yes, Day. So do you, think, you still think there's a need for a name change? I, think, I, I don't think there's a need for it. It's an idea that could be discussed. But I don't see it as, I don't see it as a need for it. But I, I respect what the Holocaust Memorial Day has done. Mm. It's broadened itself out from the beginning to look at all these other that's things. How, I think that's how it started. Very yeah, that's what I said. It, from the beginning, it yeah. broadened it out completely. But very final thing, because I know we're, we're in a rush. Um, um, I'm supposed to be in shadow cabinet. Yeah, no, I, I, I won't keep it from that. <laughs> That's um, all right. you, you've you've said uh, sorry uh, on your particular portfolio the issue, uh, as, as shadow chancellor and potentially chancellor. Would you give a guarantee that if you become chancellor, you'll continue this, the funding levels for Jewish security in this country and also for the Holocaust lessons from Auschwitz project at the same level as it is now, at least? When we go into government, we'll review our expenditure, of course. We wouldn't want to do anything with regard to a reduction in terms of Holocaust Memorial. Of course we wouldn't. In fact, I want to make sure that it's extended and much widened as broadly as we possibly can, because I think it plays an absolutely fantastic role. And synagogue security. Yeah, exactly. And there's a whole range of issues now that initially it wasn't set up to do, but we now have to address. So that gives us a vehicle to do that, and I think that would be very, very effective. In terms of our financial relationships with Israel and all the rest, it will review when we go in. It will depend on what the situation is at that point in time. Tr trade is at record levels at the moment. Would, yeah, you be, would you want to see an increase in trade between the UK and Israel? I want to make sure that we have a trading relationship which benefits us all, but benefits us all in terms of the whole communities as well. Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell speaking to news editor for the Jewish News, Justin Cohen there. Now, during that interview, you would have heard a reference that John McDonnell made when he believed that a vote of no confidence against Joan Ryan was off, which he genuinely did believe to be the case at the time. But since the interview, it has emerged that a vote of no confidence will go ahead, albeit with a slightly altered motion. And that's it for this episode of The Jewish Views. All that's left to do is to thank Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell for his time and indeed thank you at home for listening. You can always listen to this or any previous episode of The Jewish Views by visiting our website, jewishviews.co.uk. Please do remember to subscribe to us in your podcast application. The Jewish Views is brought to you in association with The Jewish News. But from me, Phil Dave, do make sure you join us next time here on The Jewish Views. Goodbye.